0: Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day 3 Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. We're starting a new series uh, as we get ready to go in the Christmas season entitled all i want for christmas now as i make that phrase uh to you some of you probably uh my age would, would think well all i want for christmas is my two front teeth you know because you remember that song from uh, years ago which to be honest with you can be scarier for your parents than if you said you want a mercedes-benz because of the dental calls in this day and time, you know, when you, when you go to a dentist. Uh, and then some of the younger ones uh, would maybe remember that song or some other songs uh, on the romantic end that all I want for Christmas is you. Uh, but what we're going to uh, focus on uh, are some things I, I think that we need to focus on at Christmas instead of regrettably what our culture uh, tends to wind up making Christmas about. Uh, today we're going to talk about um, all I want for Christmas is more stuff and the full title is really with a bunch of question marks (laughs) uh, after it you know is that really what you want Christmas to be about Uh, And and then the other topics that we're going to uh, look at uh, next week, All I Want for Christmas is a Significant Life. Uh, And then the Sunday before Christmas, All I Want for Christmas is a Better Life. Uh, I want to encourage you to really invite your uh, friends and and family members, especially any that don't know Christ, to maybe come and be with us on that Sunday. Uh, Christmas and Easter are times that you can typically get people to come to church because even non-church people think I'm supposed to go to church, you know, at, at, at Christmas and, and, and Easter. So maybe invite them to come be with us on uh, on that day. Uh, and then on the other side of Christmas, we're going to talk about All I Want for Christmas is a better world. Could you use a better world, you know, to live in based on the way things look uh, today? And, and then uh, enter the new year kind of with the message of uh, All I Want for Christmas is a better family. Uh, that's not encouraging you to change Families by going from one family to another, but maybe we can change our families uh, to be more like they, uh, more like they need to be. Uh, on it. So today we're going to talk about that that first topic. All I want for Christmas uh, is more stuff, because regrettably, that seems to be more and more and more what Christmas is becoming about. The, the focus of Christmas. It seems like uh, the real focus of Christmas uh, is gradually diminishing. Uh, in in our culture in which we live in. And and I think we need to take some steps to change that. It's becoming more of a consumer holiday than it is a Christian holiday. And that tends to be more what it tends to be about. You can even see it in things being scaled back. Uh, People saying, Uh, happy holidays or seasons greetings trying to be politically correct because they do not want to offend anyone and some companies have even changed that you know the greeting and, and all instead of saying you know merry christmas which if you ever thought about this you can't really have the word christmas without what in christ because that's what it is about to start with I got an email this week, and I don't say anything about it, but it came to mind during the first service. I thought I'd go ahead and share it now also. But I got an email from a firearms manufacturing company by the name of Henry Repeating Arms. Uh, and I had ordered a catalog from them before because they kind of make some old style lever action guns, along with some other, but I, I like some of those old guns, look kind of, you know, neat and everything. I've never bought one yet, but it's over the catalog and I thought one day I might buy one. Well, I, I got an email, uh, from the CEO president, uh, this week apologizing for something. And what he was apologizing for is that they had sent out a previous email, we sent everyone a Merry Xmas, uh, instead of a Merry Christmas. And I'm sure he's not the one that sent it out because he's the CEO of the company. But this was an amazing thing for me. He took ownership over it, even though he was not the one that sent it out. He apologized and saying I should have caught that, and, and I didn't catch it. Uh, but he made a promise. He said, I promise you it will never, ever happen again. And then he said, Merry Christmas. I thought to myself, I think I'm going to go buy a gun from Henry Repeating Arms. I'm going to send him an email to tell you, because you did that, I went and bought a gun. You know, simply because you're willing to say that's what the focus ought to be about. It ought to be about, uh, about Christmas instead of, instead of something else. But we've got a culture that's more and more making it about gifts under the tree than we're making it about the gift that God sent to die on a tree for us. So the main part of the message, I'm going to talk about the antithesis of that how Christmas really shouldn't be just about us wanting more stuff. But before we do that, I want to kind of show you the the impact by looking at some stats that I've found this past week showing the impact of a consumer-driven Christmas on our culture. The National Retail Federation did a study in holiday sales, and they said between 2012 and 2013, sales increased 3.8 percent. Do you see the number there that was spent? 602. That's billion dollars. I'm thinking, man, what could you do with 602 billion dollars? Maybe more significant things than just buy a lot of gifts that want to get put aside in a few months. More than 90% of Americans celebrate Christmas or the winter holidays. Creditdonkey.com in a survey that they did said 30% of people that they surveyed, I want to point that out, that they surveyed said that they use credit cards to finance their holiday spending. the reason I'm pointing out that they surveyed, I bet the real figure is a whole lot higher than that. Don't you? Almost half of the respondents to credit... Donkey.com survey said 42% of the people surveyed said their stress level has increased compared to last year. Guess what the number one stress factor is? Finances. 84% said that money brings them the most stress. In other words, how am I going to make enough? How am I going to manage it? How am I going to get out from underneath this stack of interest that's piling up on me and it just really causes people that additional stress Consumer counseling agencies see a 25% increase in the people asking for help needing counseling advice and help How to get out from underneath their mistakes. They made over the Christmas holidays in January and February There's a debt chart called the Jacob Marley Christmas Debt Chart. It's developed by information from Gallup and the Federal Reserve, and the chart estimates that an average American consumer needs to add about $64 a month to their credit card payment in order to pay off what you bought for Christmas this year by next year. And that is if they were spending around $700 to $800 for Christmas gifts. So if you go way beyond that amount, you you have to add that much more to your monthly Payment, unless you're going to carry it over to the next Christmas and to the next Christmas and to the next Christmas. NBC News survey said some 45% of the people polled said holiday season brings so much financial pressure they would prefer to skip it altogether. But you see, that's if you make Christmas about something more than what Christmas ought to really be about if we just make it about stuff if we just make it about more possessions if that's all we make christmas about then that stress factor comes in 45 percent of them about the same number said they don't know how they're going to pay for their credit card expenses that they've accrued a lot of people are just paying their basic payment on their credit cards every month. They're the most smallest amount they can pay. And then when they add in the Christmas spending to it, all of a sudden that minimum amount becomes an amount that's unmanageable for them. So all I want for Christmas is more stuff. And that kind of mentality What we're seeing in all the stats that I just gave you is basically this. The mentality of all I want for Christmas is more stuff really does this. It gives you more stress. How many want more stress? How many want stress wrapped up underneath the Christmas tree so you can just unwrap it on Christmas day and say, I'm glad I've got more stress in my life. But you see, that's kind of what we're doing to ourselves by making Christmas more about consumerism and about things, about stuff and possessions. So what are the steps we can take to change that? How can we change this mentality of all I want for Christmas is more stuff and in the process of doing that, we're adding more stress to our lives. I want to suggest to you two main things this morning. The first one is this. We need to make Christmas about Christ. That sounds kind of simple, doesn't it? But that's what it's about to start with. We need to make it about the Savior being sent into this world. We need to make it about God becoming flesh. In that first advent that John was referring to, he was talking about the advent. God steps into his creation as a baby. In order to grow up and go and pay that ultimate sacrifice on the cross and die for our sins, we we need to make Christmas about Jesus. On that first day that we'd refer to, I guess, in our culture as a Christmas day, the Bible says the angels appeared and said this, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who's Christ the Lord. It doesn't say, hey, unto you is born a Santa. (laughs) It doesn't say unto you is born... A credit card. Go get you more credit cards. It doesn't say unto you is is born the chance for you to get tied up in this consumer-driven holiday to the degree that you're distressed beyond all all means. That's not what it says. It says unto you, this day is born a Savior. Then that's what the focus of, of Christmas is supposed to be about. But in order to make it about what it should be about, we we need to alter our focus away from just more stuff and more materialism. We need to alter our focus, first of all, from stuff, and we need to focus upon the person of Christ himself. Probably the most famous, well-known psalm and maybe the most well-known passage of Scripture in the Bible, um, maybe except for John 3.16, Psalm 23 starts out and says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If, if we'd provide that as a focus, if we would look to Jesus, especially this time of year, and if we'd allow Jesus, the, the fact that he's our shepherd, if we'd allow that to be our focus, then it would change the way we approach this whole holiday season. See, if he's our shepherd, we look to him as the great shepherd. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd cares for the sheep, loves the sheep, provides for the sheep, feeds the sheep, protects the sheep. And if we keep that as our focus upon Jesus being our shepherd, then it would change us feeling like we need more stuff in order to be happy. We, we, we need more materialistic thing. We need more possessions in order to be happy. Our, our focus needs to be the Lord is my shepherd. And if we will change our focus to the Lord being our shepherd, that's how you realize the second part of that verse. I shall not want. If he's my shepherd, if he's all that I need, if he's providing for me, if he's caring for me, then I don't have to want because he's my shepherd. I love the way the New Living Translation puts Psalm 23 in verse 1. It says, the the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Doesn't that make it kind of clear? Have everything that I need. That, That needs to be our focus at Christmas. We need to focus upon seeing Jesus, looking at Jesus. The shepherds I alluded to a moment ago, that the angel appeared and said, well, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a, a Savior is Christ the Lord. And then the, the shepherds said, well, let's go see this thing that's been announced. And they go to, to the manger and they see, see Jesus. That's the focal point. Guys, that's the focal point of the Bible. That's the focal point of history. That needs to be the focal point of our own lives, especially as Christians. That's the focal point. Let's go see Jesus. And they went and they saw the creator of the universe laying in, in a manger, the one that's going to grow up and die on the cross for the sins of all mankind. They, they see him, and then what happens after that? They leave from there, and they go and do what? They go in and tell others, or they share about him. That's what Christmas ought to be about. We, we need to see Jesus, we need to focus upon Jesus, and we need to share about Jesus. I'm not saying gift buying is is wrong, that we shouldn't give gifts or anything like that, but what I am saying, I think, is this. The most important thing needs to be Jesus. And for us as believers, as we buy gifts and give gifts, It's a wonderful opportunity this time of year to say, I'm giving you this gift, but the reason I'm doing it has nothing to do with a man in a red suit and reindeer visiting your rooftop. The reason I'm doing it is that God so loved me and he so loved you that he sent his son into this world to be the perfect sacrifice for my sins. God gave me this great gift and that's why I'm giving you a gift. See how perfect opportunity is to share the gospel? To share your faith with family and friends, those that you, that you share gifts with? We, we need to make it about Jesus, about the very person of Jesus. We also can make Christmas more about what it ought to be about. Instead of making it all about stuff and possessions and materialism, we can make it more the focus it ought to be if we'll alter our focus and make it about the teachings of Jesus. Because Jesus had a lot to say about giving and possessions in the Bible. Think about Jesus on giving for a moment. Luke in Acts is actually quoting something that Paul says. And he said, In all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, and here's what Jesus said is it's more blessed to give than to receive jesus said that man jesus didn't just say it jesus modeled it jesus modeled it to the degree that he gave himself jesus modeled it to the degree that he went to the cross and shed his own blood that through faith in him we can have everlasting life that's how much jesus gave And you and I at Christmas time, we ought to be more about modeling Jesus than we are about materialism. Jesus said a lot more than that about giving. That's just a sample of, of what he said. When we give, our focus needs to be a sincere love for others. That's, that's what Jesus gave. He, he gave us a sincere love that cost him everything. And as we give this Christmas season or any Christmas season, you ought to give that out a sincere love. Don't give with the idea, well, I wonder what you'll give me if I give you something. It needs to be modeling what Jesus did. Not just Jesus on giving, but Jesus on possessions. Jesus one day was... They are in a crowd of people, and someone kind of shouted out to him in the crowd and said, Go and tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, based on the culture of that day and time, more than likely the scenario is this. The elder brother uh, evidently had gotten the uh, inheritance and he's keeping all of it and he's not giving any of it uh, to a younger brother. And this man's really disgruntled about it. And he's calling out to Jesus and he's making the focus materialism. He cries out to Jesus and says, Jesus, I want you to do something about this. I want you to go and, and tell my brother that he needs to divide this inheritance with me. I don't think he got the response from Jesus he anticipated. Because Jesus looked at him and he said, man, who made me a judge and arbitrator over you? And he said to them, to everyone, after he said that back to the man, he said to the whole crowd, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. What you own is not who you are. the one that has the most toys at the end, doesn't win the game. That's not how it works. You you don't get to take it with you. And Jesus points out to this crowd, that's not what your life is all about. And, And then Jesus uses it as an opportunity for a teaching moment. And he tells him a parable, and in this parable he talks about a, a man that was rich in his land was producing a whole lot of, uh, of product, a lot of grain, didn't have enough room to store his crops. So he said to himself, I'll do this, I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and I will store all my grain and my goods. Now, not necessarily anything wrong with that, but then his attitude shows up. And the attitude of this rich man in the parable that Jesus is talking about, I'll say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is it with the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. In other words, your life is not about possessions, it's not about what you own. The, the, the treasure is your relationship with God. But the treasure that you need to focus upon is being rich toward God. And then he also used it as a chance to teach his disciples. And he looked at his disciples and he said, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, or about your body, what you will put on. By the way, he lets us know two main things the Bible says are essentials. We'll talk more about that as we go through the message. He talks about food and clothing. And he says, For life is more than food, and the body's more than clothing. He's letting the disciples know that's not what it's about. It's about more than just you having those possessions. You you owning those, those things. Those things are basic necessities. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he tells them, don't be anxious about your basic necessities. Don't be anxious about food. Don't be anxious about your clothing. I wonder what Jesus would say to us about being anxious about all this other stuff. Because those are basic things that would be humanly understandable Why we would worry, well, what am I going to eat? And where I, will my food come from? And, and where will I get clothes? Those are kind of some really basic human needs. wonder what Jesus would say. He tells them not to be anxious about that, about us being so anxious about Christmas gifts, so anxious about this time of year, so anxious about what we'll get or what we'll give. Then he goes on. And he tells them, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They neither have the storehouse or the barns that the rich man was talking about. Yet God feeds them. God cares for them. But catch this statement of how much more value are you than the birds? You want me to tell you how to answer that question? Here's how much more value you are than the birds God cared for the birds. He feeds them. He lets the worm stick his head up just at the right time, provides the grain and other things like that, the seed that they'll eat. But here's how much value you are and the disciples were that Jesus is talking to. We're on the other side of it now, so it's really clearer for us. Jesus didn't die for the birds. Jesus didn't die for the flowers or for the grass of the field. Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died for you and he died for me. That's how important we are to God. That's how valuable we are to him. That's what our focus ought to be on instead of all the stuff. And and acting like we think we want more more stuff. Then he goes on. And he says, and which of you by being anxious can... Add a single hour to the span of his life. If then you're not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? In other words, you can't change anything by worrying. A lot of people get stressed out and worry this time of year about their bills, the the, the interest rates, everything else. You you can't change that by worrying. He goes on and says, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor they spin. But I tell you, even Solomon, all of his glory... With all the wealth that Solomon had was not arrayed like one of these, but if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is sown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you're to eat and what you're to drink, nor be worried for all the nations. In other words, the, the, the rest of the world worries about those things. We're not supposed to act like that. Your Father knows that you have need of them. We need to have our faith in God, our faith in Him. Instead, He says, seek His kingdom. And the implication there would be this. Seek His kingdom first, and all these other things will be added to you. We need to change our focus. It's not about possessions. It's not about stuff. It's about Him. It's about our relationship with Him and His kingdom. And he says, fear not, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom And all that stuff we really like. I mean, we like that part of it. God will care for us. God God loves us. God will give us the kingdom. But you see, sometimes we stop there and we fail to keep reading. And when you keep reading, he says, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old. With a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, there's the issue. If your treasure's stuff, if your treasure is just more stuff more materialism more possessions that's where your heart's going to be focused at but instead if your treasure is in heaven if your treasure is your relationship with christ if your treasure is the kingdom of god if that's where you're focused then that's where your heart will be so can i ask you a question as we get ready to go into this christmas season where's your heart focused I had to reel myself back in some as I studied this because, you see, it's easy to get caught up in all the, the flow of it and you're being told to buy this, buy that. Everybody needs this. Everybody needs that and and, and everything's easy to get caught up in the flow of that and I had to kind of reel myself back in a little bit. Do you maybe need to do that yourself? Have you already got your focus out of kilter for Christmas? and Maybe you need to back up and rewind a little bit and understand it needs to be about Jesus and not about stuff. What's a second way we can change that mentality? What's a second way we can change making everything about this Christmas season materialistic or about more stuff? Well, we need to make it about Christ, but we also need to make Christmas about contentment. About contentment. We need to learn how to be, to be content. See, true contentment is never found in possessions. A couple reasons for that is this. uh, If your contentment is based upon possessions when the new wears off the last toy that you bought, guess what you need? You need to go buy a new toy to get a new toy fix. Because that thing you thought would meet the need in your life, the luster of it's gone. And you have to think, I've got to get the next thing and the next thing, and the next thing. So you'll never find true contentment through possessions because there'll always be something else and you'll always be casting it aside and that thing you thought would so fulfill your life, you're not even using. You don't even know where it is maybe in a few months. Another reason you want to find true contentment by owning more stuff is that stuff has a way of Reversing the roles on you, and all of a sudden the stuff starts to own you. That can be because you owe so much for it. You've gone in debt so much you can't pay it off. It can own you. But there's there's other ways your stuff can own you. I've got two dogs that we rescued. One's a German short hair Pointer that we rescued. I'm not sure five, six years ago now. She was about a year old when we rescued her and. Yeah, she's full-blooded and everything like that. Uh, Smart, you know, probably has a better vocabulary than some people. I don't know. You know, we started trying to spell food and eat and things like that, and she would run to her bowl. She knew what we were spelling somehow. Got another, lack of a better term, foo-foo doll, a little white doll that's across between a poodle and a bichon, and uh you know i really love that 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 dog too i have to be careful about showing up in public with it i brought it here to the church one time upstairs when we were doing something and lenny crump starts to question my manhood because i've got this little (laughs) white dog with me but i thought i owned the dogs but then i have to feed them i have to care for them I can be sitting there studying, and, and I think, man, I just took you out. And they're over there at the door, sitting at the door. The little one come pawing at me. The big one just come and stare like it's that time again. And it seemed like all I get done is to study a little bit and take my dogs out so they can pee and poop. So I started to feel like my dog's on me. That can happen with your car, it can happen with your house, it can happen with your hobby. I mean, it can, it can happen with anything. That, that's why you won't find contentment through stuff, because stuff has a way of starting to manage your life instead of you managing the stuff that you own. So how are we going to find contentment then in a time of year when we're bombarded by messages from all over the place by this? This is the toy of the year. This is the item that you have. This is the new technology that you have to have. How how are we going to find contentment this time of year when we're so bombed by consumerism? I think it goes back to what I just talked about, making, making it about Christ. And what he came to do for us. And understanding that's the greatest gift that's ever been given. And through Christ we can have eternal life. And if you know you've got eternal life, you ought to be able to find contentment. But but I think we can find contentment by also changing our focus in some other ways. We need to focus upon our relationship with Christ. That needs to be our focus instead of stuff. Now, I know I I read part of this verse last week, but don't blame me. God told me to use it again this week. And Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6 says, Keep yourself free from the love of money. And look at that word, be content with what you have. And here's the pathway to that. For he said, I'll never leave you and forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man may do to me. In other words, possessions will forsake you and let you down, but Jesus never ever will. That's why we need to focus upon our relationship with Christ. We also can find contentment through correct pursuits, through correct pursuits. Pursuing the right thing in, in our lives. Paul's writing to young Timothy and he says, now there's great gain in godliness with contentment. So there he tells us what is really beneficial. If we'll pursue godliness, if we'll pursue being more like God, wants us to be in our lives, there's contentment found there. That's where you can really find something that's beneficial. But then he goes on, he says, "For for we brought nothing into the world those, we come in as babies with empty hands. We didn't come with a bunch of possessions. We, we didn't bring anything into the world. We cannot take anything out of the world. I don't care what you amass in this world. You are not taking those possessions with you. I've said it before. It's not original with me. And you've probably heard it before many times. But I've never seen a hearse pulling you all behind it of you. I've known of people, read stories of people being buried in their Mercedes or buried in their Cadillac. Wow, guess what it's going to do? It's going to sit there and rust. You're not going to be driving it on streets of gold or through the gates of hell, either one. You don't get to keep that possession and take it with you. So he gives us a correct estimation of ourselves. It's not about stuff, it's not about what we own. That, that's not what matters. But if we have food and clothing, Will these things be content once again the basic needs are brought up there's a survey that someone did back in 1900 and they're asking people in 1900 list the number of things you have to have in your life to be content in 1900 the number was 72 things someone else did a similar survey in 1950 in 1950 the number of things people had to have to be content wound up being 500 things I would love to see a survey on that today. Because imagine everything this happened since 1950. Man, people think I have to have my iPhone, my iPad, my iPod. Anything else you can think of you know, that, that people feel like they, they had to have in order to be content? When the Bible tells us, really, it boils down to this food and clothing. And instead of us making it about owning owning so much stuff, it goes on and it says, "...but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction." For the love of money, please don't quote that wrong. Some people say money is the root of all evil. That is not what the Bible says. God is the one that allows wealth to be created. There's nothing wrong with wealth. There's a good way to use wealth, wrong ways to use wealth. It's not money that's evil. It's the love of money that's evil. That's the root of all evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pains But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. In other words, those are detrimental pursuits. And what we're trying to find is correct pursuits that can help us find contentment in life. So then Paul writes these words to Timothy. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, Fight the good fight of faith, take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Well, what does he mean when he tells Timothy to, to take hold of eternal life? Because you see, we're, we're not saved by works. We cannot by our works go and grab hold of eternal life. So that is not what he's saying. What I think he's saying is this. You need to so gravitate toward eternal life. You need to so grab hold of what God has done for you. That that is what you build your life around. Not the love of money, not possessions. And Paul's advice wasn't something that he didn't use in his own life because in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, Paul writes this about himself. Now that I'm speaking of being in need, or not that I'm speaking of being in need, I have learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content. How can we find contentment at Christmas when we're bombarded by all these other things about stuff and possessions and materialism? We need to make it about our relationship with Jesus. We need to pursue the right things, the correct things. But then also I think very importantly is this. We, we can find contentment by focusing on ministry toward others. Don't make Christmas about you. Make Christmas about Christ and make Christmas about others. If you want to boil the message down into two main thoughts. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, not to be lifted up in their pride about their possessions, about their money, what they own, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Instead, here's what you ought to be focused on. Instead, he says they're to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of what is truly life. Owning stuff is not truly life. That's not what life is really about. Riches are uncertain. They can disappear in a moment. Don't put your hope in riches of what he said. We need to put our hope upon God because he's the one that's really meeting our needs. We need to focus upon him and we need to focus upon being rich in good works. We need to focus upon being generous and ready to share with others. And through that, we can find real contentment as we're involved in ministry toward other people, contentment that lasts, that's stored up in heaven, that's eternal instead of something that's material that one day will pass away. I uh, mentioned in the announcements the soup kitchens that we're going back to this Christmas. Last Christmas, we added in the Lenore soup kitchen. We had been at the Hickory soup kitchen the, the year before. Matt McCroskey had made the arrangements for us to go the year before to Hickory. And then last year, uh, we also, Rick uh, Little, made arrangements for us to go to the one in Lenore. And that's why we're trying to get these treat bags together, because we're going to go there and homeless people come in all the time to be fed a meal. And we're going to give out these treat bags to those people and we're going to help serve them as they get their food. We always get there and we'll find someone that doesn't have a blanket or a coat and maybe I'll run on a shopping spree and come back with some items or someone wearing sandals in the middle of winter for their shoes and we'll go out and and, and purchase things and I I just find fulfillment in that. That was my Christmas for me last year. We... uh, we had a family that went with us to the Hickory Soup Kitchen. And it's a family that lives out of state that's a relative of someone that attends our church. And this family had been very, very well to do. And and then regrettably, through some financial circumstances, all of a sudden things had really changed in their lives and they weren't very well to do anymore. And they're really hurting at Christmas. But the father, uh, because they were in town seeing... Uh, family. The father had a sense, well, we need to go with you all over to the soup kitchen. And, and I could see them gradually change the look on their face. And even the children in that family change the looks upon their face. Because as they figured out that there were people much worse off than them. And as they had the chance to minister to those people, that family who was hurting financially, who had been very well-to-do from out of state, they, they had their Christmas that day. They were blessed as they ministered to others. I encourage you to think about going with us this year. If you can't go with us, help buy the items that Rick's trying to get together and that Matt's trying to get together to take and, and minister to people. You find fulfillment in that. I want to bless your heart now just for a moment real quick because we took a love offering up last week for a young couple in our church that's got a new baby and they're really, really struggling and everything. You guys gave over $900 to that couple last week. And I had the privilege along with Ken Knight uh, because Ken was with me as they were counting the money. I had the privilege to go to that couple. The husband had gone after the car, but I had the privilege to hand that money and tell them how much it was. And see the reaction on their face. And you guys ought to be blessed by what you did for that couple last week. See, that, that's how you find fulfillment. We've gone to the Salvation Army and we've gone around and we, we've served the people that come in to eat there. Like waiters and waitresses. And, and I, there's just something about that. Especially if you'll bear in mind, Jesus said, if you do it to the least of these, you've done it to me you find fulfillment in doing that. So, so how can we make Christmas about something other than just owning more stuff? We, we need to make it about ministry toward others, being generous and ready to share. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 11 says a rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. Did you catch the last part of it? He only thinks that's his high wall. He only thinks that's his place of defense or protection. But it's not really a place of protection at all. And King Solomon, who God used to write proverbs, knew it full well from his own experience, because he wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter two verse 11, "When I considered all that my hands had done and the toll that I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind, and there is nothing to be gained under the sun." Solomon, that owned it all, did it all, said it didn't mean anything, because that's not where you find fulfillment. John and 1 John warned us about making our life about possessions. He said, For all in this world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride in possessions is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Possessions don't last couple, three weeks ago, um, uh, our stove that was three years old decided the oven would quit working. You can still broil, but you can't bake. And I thought, well, it's just the element. I pulled the element out, didn't see any burn spots to do it or anything like that. And had it here at the church, uh, with me and Chris, uh, Louder-Milk does, uh, heating and air conditioning, uh, uh, work, and he had a meter he could put on it, and he put a meter on it, and then he blessed me by saying, it's not the element. So I thought, oh great. (laughs) It's something inside the range. Who knows where it is? Who knows what it is? Three years old. Possessions don't last, no matter what they are. They'll disappear one day with this world. That's not where you find fulfillment and yet some people make life about their possessions in Matthew chapter 19 verse 21 a man came to Jesus one day a young man and he said tell me what I have to do to inherit life now the response of Jesus is not really telling him how to be saved Jesus being God in the flesh knew the man's heart he's not saying go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and then that means you'll be saved Jesus is speaking to the heart of this man and Jesus told him to do that Sell your, what you possess, give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went, away, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. In other words, his stuff, what he owned, his possessions was more important to him than God in eternity or other people. That's what we have to change if we're going to make Christmas about what it ought to be about. It's not about stuff, it's not about possessions. The pathway to contentment and impact in the lives of others. And I'm going to read this passage in Acts and then we'll be done. Is really found in what we read in Acts chapter 2 about the early church. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So they were... Given to other people. They were helping other people. But day by day, they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, and they received their food in gladness, with glad and generous hearts and praising God. Uh, so they, they were also focusing upon God, the relationship with God. But then notice this having favor with all the people. Because they made it about God and they made it about others. They had favor, they had influence, they had an impact upon their culture that day. And the Lord added to their number day by day those that were being saved that's what christmas ought to be about that's what we ought to make this christmas season about it's about jesus it's about christ and it's about others and if we will do that along with it god will give us opportunities to share the gospel he'll open people's hearts because they're being ministered to and they're being touched. And, and we can have an influence and an impact upon the culture around us. All I want for Christmas is more stuff. Really? Is that, is that what it's about? Or just maybe we need to make it about Jesus. And we need to make it about his person and his teachings. And maybe we need to, because of Jesus, understand that we've got a reason to be content. And we can find contentment if we'll focus on our relationship with Christ and if we'll pursue the right things in, in our life and if we'll minister to others. We can find contentment in a world that's saying you have to own all this stuff to be happy. No, you don't. All you need is Jesus to find your contentment. And then you serve him. Let's pray. Father, forgive us. We many times as Christians even, we get caught up in the flow of the materialism and the consumerism of Christmas and and we make it about things that it really shouldn't be about. Help us to remember the great gift that you sent us in your Son. Help us to make Christmas about Jesus. And as we share gifts with others, help us to do it in a way that that focuses upon Jesus, the gift that you sent. Father, if there's someone in this service right now that's experiencing a high level of discontentment in their life because they don't know you, because they're wrestling with their with their sin the guilt of their sin they're wrestling with forgiveness father I pray right now you'd speak to their heart and show them that you love them so much that Jesus died on the cross for them give them the faith they need right now to believe in Christ and to find real contentment in their life through a relationship with Jesus God those of us that already know you and We're guilty of making our lives, not just Christmas, but our lives about things that's not really important. Forgive us for that. Help us to find contentment in our lives, not just Christmas, but all through the year by focusing on our relationship with you, by pursuing what you want us to pursue, and by ministry to other people. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. John does this song. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, what better time of year than Christmas season to receive the greatest gift of all time. And that's eternal life through Christ. And if you don't have that, I invite you to consider coming during this invitation. And if you do have it and you're guilty of making your life and maybe even already making Christmas about the wrong thing, maybe come and kneel and pray and say, God, forgive me. God, help me to make Christmas... And help me to make my life about what it's supposed to be about. Please stand God speaks to your heart. We invite you to come. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.